The following podcast will contain graphic, disgusting, crass, foul, mature, and immature content. This is Colvic Darksy. I'm a half-orc cleric. I'm really into CrossFit and spreading my dark seed. Shakes. I am Melvin Hardy. I am a high elf wizard. Unfortunately, sometimes I turn people inside out. Snarling, biting, all the rest of it. I am now a little concerned that uh, my friends disappeared just like this weird old family. Well, shit. He's clearly not trying to stab me. Oh, wait, he is! (laughs) (laughs) Roll to nap. You nap really hard. That was a great nap. Bummer. I was going to get more soup. And we have uh, Methane Man. Uh, what's your s- special power again? I have Fart. <laughs> actually. Uh, actually. That Melvin squeaks to a halt behind you. I'm going to say that you are not proficient in attacking hellhounds with hellhounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this damage kills the creature, it is forced completely inside out. <laughs> And it's almost like the force of hitting it in the muzzle pushes it backwards. <laughs> and in the blink of an eye, there's just an inside-out dog. <laughs> I immediately vomit. <laughs> so, I oh, I'm all right. I'm all right, guys. <laughs> a drooly vomit is hanging off my face. I make gagging sounds to see if I can make you throw up again. <laughs> I got it. And there I was, in the balcony. <laughs> I had this fake puke in my bag. <laughs> oh no, I'm just kind of hesitant on resting again unless we do something else. Yeah, let's just move on. Okay. So, so far, there was going down, finding the room with the three palms on the wall, wiping the blood on the north wall, door opened. Find uh, the third room, basically, which had the statue, woman with uh, arms outstretched, palms up, open-handed, door on the west and east. You guys started by going into the east room. You found the door with all the keyholes on it, decided fuck that noise, went west instead, fought some hellhounds, um, got to the point where you had beaten those hellhounds, Melvin decided to join you, decided to take a rest, turned out to be a mistake because, well, more hellhounds came out. You fought them together as a team this time. 
And I don't recall, did you guys actually say that you were going towards the door this time, or... Because you guys never actually, like, even looked at the other door on the far side of the room last time. Which would have been <laughs> weird for three whole hours of sitting in there, but... I think we should go through the door. Yep. That sounds, uh... Good. What, um... How is everyone feeling health-wise? I got about two-thirds. Feeling two-thirds. And... You just had some soup. You're golden. Yep. Melvin's feeling pretty refreshed. I didn't actually get hit at all in the last quarrel. Okay. So uh, I'm good to go. But okay. uh, how are you guys doing? That's your ye olde medieval name, Melvin the Undamaged. The Undamaged. <laughs> the Untouched. Um, I'm feeling pretty good to go forward as is. Melvin sans moleste. Do you think uh, there's another pair of hellhounds behind the next door? Seems like a common theme here. Well, the common theme was being in that room. I don't know what's behind the door, though. Yeah, you guys have... They've just been in the same room and rested in the same room, yeah, so right. more hellhounds came out of the same grates. Of the grates same grates that were there the hellhound before. room. Oh, gotcha. <clears throat> I thought... So, just to recap, you opened up the wall between these two rooms with your blood, and that was the room where the statue mm -hmm. is in? And so those grates are in the statue room? No, they are to the left, because we went through another door on the left, and then there was a hallway, and then two grates and a door at the end of that as well. Okay, so, we so there's, stayed there's in a that third room. room. Yes. We were staying in the statue Think room. Think of a big D, we were, that's what we have so far. I'm not like sure. Yep. We're in this room. Oh, there you go. Where, yep. did we, where, did we, where did we start? Here. Yep. So that wall... There was a wall here. That's where we did the blood. There's a wall at the north this side. This is the statue room. Statue room. And to the west the keys side. keys are over here. Right And now side. we're in here currently. That's the hellhound room. And then where's the other available doors? Are there any? The room you're in has one door that goes further west. Okay. Or left, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and then from the statue room, there's another room to the east. And the end of that east room is another door that they haven't opened yet. That's the locker room. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now what? We go through the doors that open for us. On the west side. West side. West side. You walk across the room going west you to the western door. The west huh? I said you walk isle to the west isle. What? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're, you're Snoop Dogg in it. I get you. I, never mind. You approach the western door. And as you're getting close to it, you can see through this doorway... You can see that it is a room made of marble. Uh, it is another square room. Looks like it's about 12 feet on a side with a low arched ceiling. In the center of this room is a raised stone slab. It has a thin silver chain attached to it. The other end of this chain is attached to the ankle of a tall, slender, dark-haired young woman. As you enter the room, she runs around to the back side of this slab but stands defiantly looking at you with her chin up. What do you want? She calls out. I think she has the keys to the doors inside of her. Like the Plava Laguna from the Fifth Element? You're going to have to cut her open and get them out? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hey, you don't have any keys inside of you, do you? <laughs> <laughs> she gives you a confused look and a step backwards and says, Keys inside of me? What's your name? Amanda. Amanda what? Hug and kiss. 
Is she like all valley? Like, Amanda. I got irritated. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. Holy shit. Amanda. <laughs> She's got a little bit of that going on, though. She's got some valley, some mean girls going on. Uh, she says that her name is Amanda Astor, which, oh. if you'll recall, is the name of this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you the mayor's daughter? Yes. Where's the mayor? He's down here somewhere. I don't know. I haven't seen him in years. Why, Why are you chained? Because I'm a prisoner. Why are you a prisoner? I don't really know, actually, but... Is it because you love the farmer's daughter? That's what I've been guessing. Where is she? Is she behind the weird case? I don't know what you're talking about. If you hadn't noticed, I don't have a lot of mobility. Silver's pretty soft. Who has, like, a... Can you smash the chain with your hammer and break it? Well, who else is down here? Like, you've been down here for five years? I've been down here for five years, she says. What have you been eating? Uh, she says, I haven't had to eat, but there's nothing to eat. There's nothing to drink. Have you been down here by yourself? Completely in, alone for five years. You haven't room. had to eat. Hmm? Are you a vampire? No. Are you a hologram? She doesn't know what that word means, and neither do you. Are you a <laughs> It just grumbles up. Are you a <laughs> Are you a mineral? <laughs> Are you bigger than a bread box? <laughs> she does not know why she has not had to eat. Uh, you do, by the way, notice as she's saying this that um, this was eventually going to be a perception roll, but I'll just throw it out there for you that she has a, let's call it a vaguely mm, ghostly sort of visage to her. So, uh, just very slightly transparent. I'm going to. <laughs> well, let, you, let, let's just ask her what happened. Why are you? What's the last thing you remember? That's an excellent question. So she says the last thing she remembers is that her lover, uh, the young farmer's daughter named Giselle, had come to the mayor's house and they were going to confront her father about the fact that he was not allowing them to get married. There was a lot of shouting, a lot of yelling. It had turned into quite the argument and dispute in the house. And he yelled out the word enough, slammed his foot to the floor, both proverbially and literally putting his foot down. And then she woke up here on the slab with the silver chain around her ankle. That's the last thing she remembers. How big is this slab? Big enough for a person to lay on. So about, I'd call it seven by two. Is your dad a wizard? He is not. He's just a fucking stupid old man. I'm trying to remember what the riddle said on the doors. Well, I don't think she is there. It's kind of most like a ghostly figure, like the flame was. You can splash with water and find out. That seems my way of figuring out if (laughs) things are there. (laughs) Not like you're going to run out of uses, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh... Yep, I'm going to do that. I'm stupidly just going to splash water at this figure. Which setting are you using? I'm going to use the fire hose figure. The the geyser? The geyser. And just spray it right at this figure. (laughs) Her face. Nope. Right at the chest of her body. So if it hits her, it hits her hard. The broom of her body? uh, Yep. The the geyser feature. 
You open up this cask and or this canteen. What is it? How is it described? A decanter. Decanter. You open up this decanter and say the word geyser, mm -hmm. and a geyser's worth of water deluges forth from this thing. It sprays across the room, and you can definitely see see it hitting the the slab, but it's going straight through her. Mm -hmm. And you're now standing in like an inch of water. So I splashed this figure with uh, water. Did she make any sort of reaction at the water? She did not. She seems to know that it was going to go straight through her. Okay. So, um... And now she's just kind of looking at you guys <laughs> smugly and expectantly. So, um, do you want to... What do you want? He's like, oh, I would love to get the fuck out of here. I've been here for a really long time. Are you are you aware that um, you may not be part of this plane of existence anymore? Uh, she says, I'd kind of figured that, given the fact that I haven't eaten for a very long time, as you guys so boldly pointed out. You don't seem surprised that you're possibly not here right now. Why is that? Well, because I've been like this for five years. And she's, ah. she, she basically has... Um, a room that's 12 by 12 and a little slab that she can sit, lay, or stand, or whatever on. Um, and the door that leads into this room has been closed for five years. The last thing she remembers is what she explained to you, um, Melvin, about the moments before waking up here from her perspective. Um, so guys, do you think we should try to assist in letting her free, or what do you think? Well, I'm just glancing around this room. Is there anything else worth looking into? Um, I'll have you make a... Let's just do a general perception roll. With a 19, you perceptive motherfucker. One thing you do notice that you did not see previously from all the way across at the doorway is that uh, there is a necklace that this young woman is wearing. And it wouldn't stand out normally because she's, you know, dressed in relative finery, etc. Um, but this necklace stands out because it's wet. It's dripping water. And as you get closer to look at it, noticing this peculiar feature of it, you notice that it is shaped like a heart. That's one. One what? One heart. I mean, the, the statue is holding two. Oh, yeah. The statue needs to hold two. Mm -hmm, possibly. Say, Amanda, do you know where we can find another necklace like the one you're wearing? Uh, she says, well, this was a necklace I gave the other one to Giselle, but I have, I have no idea where she is. Can we borrow your necklace? She squints at you and says, why? To free you, ideally. She is very suspicious of you, and I will have you make a per persuasion roll. Because she don't know you fuckers from Adam. Damn, another 19! You're rolling amazing tonight. That is great. The opposite <laughs> of what I usually roll. Roscoe rolls for everything from now on. Apparently. <laughs> With a 19, you smooth as silk explain out that you want to use this to free her. And begrudgingly so. But she takes off the necklace and walks back around this little slab and hands it to you. All right, so we have one. And as she drops it into your hand, you feel that it is, in fact, a very real necklace. Does this slab look like it can be opened at all? Or is it just kind of... 
It's like a hunk of pliable. Jimmy's gonna be behind those keyholes on the east end. Yeah. We gotta go think about that some more. Well, I just figured. And what to put in there. Something in there. Our wieners. Knew <laughs> <laughs> it was coming at some point. He knew it too. Just laughing. He's like, I gotta say it. He couldn't stop himself. <laughs> We've only got three wieners, but there's five keyholes. Now that's the real riddle. Don't arcs have weird bifurcated wieners? Oh, what? <laughs> so not only is it a it's the lipstick too, but it's also just two. <laughs> I don't know why, but that was one of my grandma's favorite expressions. Was I'm as happy as a puppy with two peckers. <laughs> yeah. That's I've heard that before too. Yeah, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. So why a, why a puppy with two peckers? <laughs> All the energy in the world, I guess. <laughs> that makes sense. So I guess we go to the middle room and debate from there. There. We go right to the east door. There's something. Like is that just a hallway? We look at the keyholes. So like there's something going on there. Was there three doors in this room, or is just the two? Uh, so, what you guys have seen so far, let me just recap the areas that you've been in. So, mm-hmm. you guys started off in the parlor mm-hmm. room of the mayor's house in town, in the town of Aster. You confronted the butler, he showed you the room where the disappearing act occurred, and you found that there was a hole in the floor, where there should be no hole in the floor, because it's a house without a basement. Or cellar, or whatever the fuck you'd call it in medieval times. Mm-hmm. You hop down into there, into, let's just call it room A. Room A just had a door going north. You went through that door, found the room with the three poems in it. We'll call that room B. Moving forward to room C, after you solved that riddle with putting blood on the wall, you came into room C, which had the statue in it. Going to the west, even though this isn't the order you explored it, and I'll just explain it this way. We'll call it room D was to the west. That was where the hellhounds were. Room E was the furthest west room where Amanda was. You've also been to room, what am I up to, F? Uh, room F is the room that had the, um, the five keyholes and all the uh, inscriptions and texts. Just in, case it's in, just in case it's broken up between two episodes by this point, I will split that out, or I'll read out the contents of that, that door riddle again. Five keyholes, starting from the north and going clockwise. There was, they were marked Dwarven, which said two or four under it. Goblin, which said one or four or five, and also had some text scratched into it that said never trust a goblin. Orc was number six, and it said orc no count good. Common was the next one with the number three under it. And Elven was the final keyhole with one or two or four. And then it said, in order or not at all, underneath it. You have not found any keys anywhere in this area, by the way. We need one key. And we just have to unlock them in the right order. So we have to find a key. In that statue room, there was just two doors, east and west? Correct, I believe so. I will shortcut you guys here and just say that there... You've looked everywhere. There is no key and it's not hidden anywhere. We haven't checked the rest of the house. We just went to the parlor room and that was it. I mean, there has to be something like another room or... Hey, Let's give we... the statue the one heart. See if it gives us a key. Here. I'm going to go up and uh, yell at Wadsworth. Hey, Wadsworth, you there? Yes, sir. Do you need more soup? 
Uh, maybe later. <laughs> Listen, uh, we're looking for a key of any kind. Um, did the mayor have any special keys that you were aware of? Special keys? No, not that I'm aware of. What about... I guess I'll just walk by him. What about just keys in general he had with him all the time? No, really, no keys. House keys, I suppose, but nothing fancy. Car keys. There's no hey, car Wadsworth, keys. Hey, Wadsworth, do you think you have anything <laughs> to contribute to this plot line? Currently, no, from the state of things. Okay, thanks, Wadsworth. <laughs> <laughs> I like Wadsworth. He's very straightened. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's good. He's kind of fourth wall aware, you yeah, know, in a way. He knows. Hold on. So, um, I'm going to have each of you guys make a perception roll. Actually, no. Let's let's just call it a straight wisdom roll. Straight up wisdom. Ooh, I rolled a 20. Ah, damn. Plus whatever. And a 7 and a 9. Wow, wisdom. A strong point, too. Um, so, I will... I will let Melvin know, because of his strong, solid 20, there is, uh, there really, I mean, all five of these locks are different, um, and, ah, eh, fuck it, your roll was high enough. There, these keys don't exist. Like, maybe if you had somebody in your party that could pick locks, somebody with perhaps thieving skills. All right. I guess we never did, uh... So use our skills and abilities to <laughs> that we had. We just like, oh, magical locks, neat. Picking locks is this is the first time that's actually come up in this, so I don't feel too bad throwing that one uh, out for you guys. Let's pick some locks. Well, and I, what I will also give you guys too is that these these are very low difficulty locks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna make you roll for them. Probably have to pick in the right order though. So it's all about picking them in the right order. Mm-hmm. I, I could. Mean- I could retcon that these are just buttons or something like that, but that's dumb, so. All right. I'm going to pick the elven lock first. You pick the elven lock, and you hear a satisfying click that it is picked. I'm going to pick the goblin lock. You pick the goblin lock, and you hear a satisfying click as it is picked. I'm going to pick the common lock. Ditto. I'm going to pick the dwarf lock. Ditto. And the orc lock. As you finish picking the orcish lock, or the lock that said orc above it, you hear a click, and then a second click, and the door pops open, a crack. It is now open. What do we see? Nice job. You see a door that's barely open, a crack. We kick that sumbitch open and run in there. (laughs) Excellent. Yes. You kick that sumbitch open, and you startle the shit out of uh, a young woman sitting on a stone slab in a room very similar to the one you encountered on the other side of things, with short, scruffy brown hair and broad shoulders. And she says, Jesus! (laughs) So sorry. It's okay. Who the fuck are you? We're the very good adventuring team. Perhaps you've heard of us? (laughs) (laughs) She just gives you a blank look. (laughs) (laughs) She she shrugs her shoulders and says, I've been here for a little while. (laughs) That's nice. Question. Can they, since all these doors are open, can they see across the hallway to each other? The doors had been closed up until now, but it's pretty far down. They, like, you could see all the way to the other room, but it's pretty far away. Okay. So we're talking... The statue is between them. 
Yeah, the statue's between as well, but we're talking 40, 40... Just trying to gain access. Basically like 130, 150 feet, something okay. like that, all the way down the hallway. How we can gain the trust. I mean, I guess we have one pendant, <clears throat> but I don't have that. Somebody else does. Currently, Roscoe has the other pendant from the other room. Your name is Giselle, right? You're the farmer's daughter? She says, yes, it is. Are you, have you eaten in the last five years? She says she has not. Are you hungry? Nope. You have a necklace? She says, oh, this thing? And she takes it off and just throws it at you. How come you just threw it at me? She says, I don't want this shit anymore. I want to get out of here. I assumed you asked about it because it would help. Oh, yes, it will. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let's go put the necklaces on the statue. Well, I mean, we didn't... Is this that important to you? I'm guessing somebody important gave this necklace to you. Is this necklace important? She says, the necklace is important to me, but getting the fuck out of here is more important. I mean, we came in, we said who we were, we asked for specifically the one thing that's on here that's real, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's her motive. Just saying, what about love, you know? What about love? But God, I wish we could now. use samples. <laughs> no, it's over now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the impression that you're getting here is that Amanda, on the other side of things, um, I mean, she comes from wealth and power and money sort of thing. She's a lot more coy about it. She doesn't want to give up resources like, say, pretty necklaces, etc. Um, then you get to Giselle on the other side of things, and she's just like, I want to get the fuck out of here. Right on. All right. She's a little, uh, she's a little more straight to business than Amanda was. Let's do what we came here to do. All right, let's go put the necklaces on the upraised arm statue, wherever we need to put them, and see what happens. All right. One tell day. me, tell me more about that. What um, are you, what are you doing? Let's let me read the plaque again first. I will read you that plaque. The way to him I guard from you. I guard him from the bitter truth. With love you can this prison burst. Bring hearts to me, remove this curse. This is what it says on the pedestal uh, with the woman kneeling upon it and her arms are outstretched on other sides with her palms facing upward. I think we should do a long rest before we do this. Think so? Yeah. All right. In the statue room? Yeah, might as well. Or upstairs with some soup in a fireplace. Yeah, it ain't gonna hurt him to spend another night in the... It's not gonna matter. I feel like we've exterminated all the baddies that are going to come out. I think we have an angry mayor to deal with. Alright, well, I'll go with Melvin's idea. So tell me what you're going to do here. I'm going to have a little slumber party on the floor. <laughs> yep. Wadsworth, more soup! <laughs> and some pillows. <laughs> he tosses some pillows and some blankets. He lowers down some more soup. Uh, and you guys are laying on the floor in the statue room. And uh, is the door closed to the Hellhound room? Not right now. Can I close that, please? Yes, you can. All right, I close that door. All right. Hour number one. It's all right. Hour number two. It's all right. We're rolling tight. Number three. That, I've rolled three sixes in a row, by the way. Three Four. sixes in a row? I did. That's not good. Uh, that's an 18. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the, what would that have been? The fifth hour... You hear the door going to the Hellhound room, like, <laughs> slam shut fully and bolt. And then, like, about ten minutes later, you hear barking. Hour number six. Nothing. Hour number seven. And hour number eight. Rolled another three there. So you hear the barking get louder. There's more barking. But there's just barking. Barking, barking, barking. But thankfully, you're on this side of the door, mm -hmm. which is closed and sealed. 
I'm gonna go listen at the door. <laughs> you hear barking louder. Yeah. I guess yeah, you're awake during all this the last four or five yeah. hours just stupid dogs. <laughs> you're barking at them. Can you what magic you them do? through the door? I don't know if I have any magics that can go through doors. I'll have it. Just yep. have to fight presumably four hellhounds when the time comes. And whatever this statue may bring. Alright, long rest has been acquitted. That she defends. So we get back all our HP. Yep. And how many hit dice? Uh, you will get half of your total, which should be eight, so you'll get four. So I add four to what I have? Correct. Okay. So you used six, so you'll be at six. Mm -hmm. Having completed a long rest, you now stand in the room with the statue. There is the noise of an indeterminate number of dogs barking in the room next to you. And a statue holding out its hands. You've got two little pendants. Not to ask leading questions, but mm -hmm. what do you do? Um, Should we open the dog door? <laughs> no. I mean, who let the dogs out? Woof, 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 woof. Is there any way I can fortify this door and so it, it just stays shut? Well, actually, never mind. We established that these walls are magical. But... Yeah, are you ta you're talking about the door to the room with the dogs? Yeah. Um, there's no real potential. Like, like, I don't think that you could get the door open if you wanted to. Okay. At this point. That's fine. I just want to make sure, like, we put these pendants on and all of a sudden everything raises up and goes hell loose. Okay. Let's just good. put those pendants on. Yep. Decision made. Pendants are... Well, uh, technically, normally I'm, I'm trying to lean more towards if somebody says something, it happens, because otherwise we fuck mm -hmm. around a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, Roscoe has the appendix. And... So, Roscoe's the... Like, unless you... like, Do you go snatch them from him and then put them up there? No, I just yell at Roscoe. <laughs> put the right. pendants on. I'm putting the pendant we got from Amanda on the corresponding hand on the statue of that side of the room. Mm -hmm. And the same one for Giselle. As you place the second pendant uh, from Giselle on the eastern-facing hand... Both of the palms, with the pendants now in them, close around those pendants. The statue seems to bring the pendants together in front of it, almost in a prayer-like gesture. And then the statue stands up, turns around, spreads out her arms, and all fucking Fifth Element style, a beam of light splays forth from this uh, stone woman, and seems to dissolve the wall beyond her going north. Now there is a statue. She kind of kneels back down once the whole theatrics are done, by the way. Um, she's still holding both of the pendants. And in front of you is a rather large room. Uh, it's an, and it's just a, the whole north wall of the room that you're in, by the way. It just dissolves away. The room that you can now see before you is like about 100 feet square. As you step a foot over into this room, like cross the threshold, you kind of peer up. And there's no visible ceiling. Like, there's just sort of a light that almost seems like it's emanating from the floor. Uh, and the, it, just, it just goes dark above you. You can't see where this, would, where this would end. Straight across from where you are, in the center of the room ahead of you, you see a dark reddish-gray stone statue of a man seated on a throne. And you can, so, you can see even from where you are that there are iron chains wrapped around this statue. Almost like they've bound this man to the throne. What do you do? Um, um, should we check on the two ladies at all? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I was going to go back and I was going to go take the pendants and take them. 
see if I can break them off and just have them. Well, we can check on one of the ladies without opening the hellhound room. Uh, so to answer Kolvik's question first, you cannot retrieve the pendants. They are held fast in a stone. Like, unless you're going to break the stone, you can't, mm. like, oh, get so the pendant. I mean, like, the pendant, like, the chain themselves, that's so strong you can't break that. Uh, the pendant itself, I assume that, like, the pendant, like, the, the meat of the oh, pendant basically okay. was so we placed put in, them the in I thought we were putting, like, a chain on each one, so she's kind of, like, holding the chain. Okay. I guess gotcha. I could have asked to be more specific. Yeah, I assume, No, like, that was, you were, he said he placed a pendant in, so that makes more sense. Okay. Uh, so that answers that question. Uh, to bring up the other point, there is a sealed door with it that there is no apparent way of opening. Um, with a bunch of dogs barking behind it on the western side. You could go to the east and check in on Giselle. That way is open. Let's do that. You stomp your way down the hallway through the still open door, and she looks at you guys and just gives you, like, like an arms outstretched shrug, like, eh? You're not free? New. No. Do you have a quiver? Um, she says, she, like, kind of, like, well pulls out, like, a quiver from behind her, um... That's, I don't know, what would you call that? Like a, like a single shoulder strap one? Um, so she is wearing a quiver. Is it real? Is it real? Nope. All right. Let's go back out and look at this chain man statue. Chain man statue. You walk into this large central room, and as you get about 20 feet from this statue, uh, it notices you. And it just says... Why are you here? We're uh, after Giselle's quiver. Do you have it? He says, no. Do you know where it is? I assume with her. Where is she? Um, <laughs> he thinks. <laughs> well, it's, so it's a weird thing. So I'm, I, I thought a lot about this character and his motivations, etc. But I don't know. I don't think he knows. Yeah, he doesn't know where Giselle is. What's your story? Are you the mayor? Says, I am the mayor. You are actually the mayor. You're not like some weird, like, projection or, like, astral form. He says, nope, I'm the mayor. Are you made out of stone? Currently, yes. Why are you made out of stone? Peyton, by the way, is his name. He would have said that earlier when you asked him who he was. I just needed to scroll back up to look for it. You know, it's been uh, five years since the town has seen you, so you actually may not be the mayor. I don't think you're the mayor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you kind of a like smug yet irritated look basically on that and says I'm still the mayor. When our Wadsworth made us soup, I think we're the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> he actually gives you a little bit of smile and says Wadsworth is still up there, huh? I'm going to look it around the room. Is there any other doors or any other Mm -mm. Nope, it's just a huge square flat room. The only feature is this, uh, the stone throne with the stone man upon it and the iron chains binding him to it. Do you know why you're made out of stone? He says, I assume this is the price I paid to keep my daughter safe. Well, you don't know. You don't know why you're bound in chains either. That's probably the same thing. He says, well, that's part of the deal, I guess. How did you who keep... Did, who did you make a bargain with? Well, with a demon. Oh, boy. <laughs> he never actually told me his name, but I suppose that's a thing with demons. Hmm. How did you summon the demon? He came to me. Really? 
Well, I'm a very powerful man. These things happen all the time, oh, I'm sure. Blow it out your ass, Peyton. <laughs> I'm what, laughing. He's not laughing. What do you think, Kolvik? You're the holy man. Do you make of the stock of bargains with demons? Mm-hmm. Can we? Do we... Where did you... Um, um, I don't really know a whole lot about demons. I just kind of pray to philosophical gods that never talk to me. So I have to kind of go with my wit on this one and know that this entity is... What did, what did this demon want in return? Wanted some blood from me. All of it? No, just some. Why did you want to make this bargain? Why is it so important to you that your daughter not be with the person she loves? Who's going to marry a commoner? Why does that bother you? Like, what's, what makes you special? Were you born into your mayor's position? Um, so, this is an aspect of, like, the world and politics, etc., that I suppose I haven't really delved too much into yet, but there is something of an aristocracy mm-hmm. in this land. There, there's, like, caste system yeah so the the i'm trying to think of the right way to describe this so there are effectively three branches of government throughout the entire kingdom of coal that you guys live in um there is an aspect called the sword which is the military branch there's an aspect called the coin which is a effectively like a branch of merchants that rule in a in a senate-like fashion and by the way you would have known because you should know all these things uh, that Aegis back in Andon is a member of that part of the government, which effectively means that he buys his seat, his rulership. And then there is an aristocracy called the crown. This guy is a member of the crown, which, yes, effectively means he is born into his position. Right. Don't you feel like the asshole? Yes, yeah, so and now you're stuck here. What does that get you? What's better than your daughter marrying a commoner? He says, well, I didn't really know it was going to be this. Do you want us to help you? I'm going to have you make a persuasion check on that. Or performance. I'll let you choose. Persuasion works. With a persuasion of 24, you see him let out sort of a big sigh. And he says, yes, I would like your help. Now that I look closer at you, you seem like a group of adventurers. So I suppose it's only appropriate that I would ask a favor of you. A favor? You can buy a service. He says, and what would you charge for this? Well, for uh, starters, we're looking for a special quiver. That's not his to give. I'm not comfortable with. Yeah, he should be able to help us get it, though. Or buy it. All you're right. saying that out? We're looking you're for... saying that to him? We want Giselle. That's who we're looking for. He says, I would be glad to give her to you. Especially if you're going somewhere else. No, they're going to marry. That's part of our bargain. Persuasion again. With a critical success. What's up with your rolls? Are you cheating? No. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what were you saying last time about the neutrinos and whatnot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The quarks are rotating in your favor tonight. <laughs> yep. I'm jealous is all it is. So you see, it's, you're not sure what it is, but something about the way that you phrase this this discussion that you're having with him and you guys kind of talk on for about talk on about this for a little bit and you are able to eventually successfully persuade this mayor that you're able to persuade this mayor that he basically should give up on trying to keep these young ladies apart for um 
his selfish aristocratic reasons, etc. You're able to convince him that you are the people that should help him and that uh, he needs to let all of this go. You see you see the resolve on on his face just melt like right i mean he's very not not just literally made of stone but very figuratively he's been very stone-faced about most of this uh, discussion and you see that uh you see that his expression just kind of melts from the the stern resting bitch face that it's been most of this time into uh into a, a much more uh, resigned and almost pleased expression and as he does his stone flesh fades back into actual skin. From behind the throne, however, steps a very large red demon, and he is covered in chains. Run. (laughs) (laughs) The demon looks to the three of you and says, I see you've changed my pet's mind. I, however, am not so easily convinced. You see, the bargain I struck with the mayor, and as he's saying this, you hear a twang from behind you, and then the demon stops speaking as his sentence is cut short, and there is a faintly glowing arrow sticking out of the center of his forehead. And you turn around and you see Giselle standing there in very real form, not chained to anything, and slowly lowering a bow from which you are now guessing that this arrow was just fired from. That is now sticking out of the head of this demon. Oh. You turn back, and he goes cross-eyed and falls backwards. As he hits the floor, you hear a scream of anguish and irritation as he vanishes in a puff of red and black soot-like smoke. Oh. As he disappears, the chains turn to dust and fall away from the king. He stands up from the throne and begins walking towards you guys. Um, he's got his arm outstretched like he's looking for a handshake. And then you see his eyes drift over your shoulders. And, and instead of using that hand to shake your hand, he pushes past all of you. The statue of the woman that was in the, uh, the previous room that you were in has also returned to a lifelike visage. And he runs towards her and embraces her. You hear this man openly weeping. It has been five years since he has seen his wife in the flesh. She's been trapped on the other side of this, an innocent victim of this entire scheme, this entire time. And he embraces her with open joy. From behind them, a few moments later, you see Amanda come running out and like all but fucking tackles Giselle. And they embrace as well. There's a great deal of laughter, a great deal of rejoicing. The mayor looks back to you guys and says, you have freed this entire town and this entire family from a great curse that I caused myself, that I brought upon all of us. We will have the wedding tonight, and I demand that the three of you attend. We would be happy to attend. Uh, I have a request of um, Giselle, actually. Can we have that quiver? She is um, overtaken with joy and happily pulls the also as real as her now quiver from her shoulder and uh, in two hands walks it over to you and presents it to you and says, I would love for you to have this. Awesome. That's great. Can you tell me about it? 
She says, it's been in our family for generations. I, the only thing I can really tell you is I never seem to miss when I use arrows from it and it's never run out. I've never put a single arrow in this thing and every time I reach for one, there's another one there. Arrow glowed and I killed that demon with one shot. Does it have holy magic? Uh, she is not a magical person. So she, I mean, she basically shrugs when you ask her that question. All right, fair enough. I'm happy enough to have the quiver. Thank you so much. I am very much happy about this celebration myself. For some reason, celebrations bring me joy. Just to let you know, I can create food out of an instance, and uh, I'm thinking about studying a catering business. I've had a great delight with one of my meals. Let me cater this. <laughs> Are you going to sell any of your shakes here? I can create food and protein for everyone. <laughs> Are we going to have to hunt for kenkus? What? No, you can just I, create them. No, I can create, create food and water from my, from my divine presence of uh, Hiaya. And so last time it worked out for me well. I felt good. Everybody tasted the greatest meats of possible. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to do this for the celebration. What do you say? They're very happy to have you cater. Uh, They would have had a challenging time getting a town's full of food on a moment's notice. So they are excited and very grateful to accept beyond everything else you've done for them already. Wonderful. Melvin, any any thoughts here about uh, the events, the weddings, the whatever else? Somebody should send a messenger out to Hamper. (laughs) He's just on the... Seriously. Yeah, it's his daughter getting married. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe his daughter would like to go and visit his... Her daughter. Maybe his daughter would like to come home and visit him. I'm sure that would be the way that he'd like to receive that message. There is, in fact, a uh, a great agreeance and and whatnot at that. And uh, as soon as like basically as soon as you mention her dad, so you guys all like got out of this hole, right? Um, so let's cut through that for just a moment. You guys all climb out of the hole using the rope that was tied to the fireplace Are all those this time ago. Gone. gone? Um, the hellhounds are gone, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I suppose, I don't know if there's a way that you guys would know this, but fuck it, I'll just tell you anyway. But basically the, that demon that made a deal with the mayor, like, manifesting this, them. this whole construct was like that demon or because of that demon and is held in place because of that demon. Um, so there was going to be. So there's a couple different outcomes here, depending on how you guys had that conversation and how you rolled. And one of those outcomes was like, this place basically started collapsing around you because the demon stopped holding it up. Um, Because everything went so well, the place stayed long enough for you to get out of there. But the enemies, such as the hellhounds, disappeared. I probably didn't really need to explain all that. Nice rolling. Yeah, for real. Mm -hmm. Um, There was also a really wicked fight you guys would have had to do if you hadn't rolled so damn well. But yeah. That's what I thought was going to come up, and, and then put me to the head. I, you know, I, as, a, as a DM, it is one of the things that I am trying to grow into is making it so that every scenario you come to isn't resolved by combat. So this, uh, this had some different outcomes and required a certain number of successes, and you succeeded enough. We got to hug it out. You got to <laughs> hug it out. Hug it mm-hmm. the fuck out, guys. We really did. And doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel just so joyful? Anywho. So you guys all climb up out of this hole. You're all up in the, uh, in the mayor's office. And like, as soon as the last of you is out, the, the, the hole itself just shrinks into nothing and closes. 
Uh, so it's just regular floor back in this in this parlor again. Melvin, you mentioned should somebody say something to her father? As soon as you say mention or like mention him, she's like, "Oh fuck, my dad!" And she bolts out the door, presumably running to go talk to her father, uh, which is confirmed a few hours later when, uh, or you know, whatever it would be, an hour later when she returns. Both of them having very obviously wept tears of joy. Wadsworth, uh, soup for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> soup all around. Wadsworth is happy to serve some minty door soup to everyone. You guys stick around for the evening and enjoy a, a, a very ecstatic wedding ceremony. Um, this mayor is kind of a doofus and other people, they didn't really miss him. But now that he's back, they realize, like, yeah, he wasn't so bad. And <laughs> now he's feeding all of us with soup and this strange chicken-like thing. And <laughs> um, So it's, it's, a, it's a night of great merriment and joy throughout the entire town. Roscoe, you sling the quiver over your shoulder, uh, basically right after you get it. Uh, magical items take a certain amount of time to learn and attune to. And basically, like midway through the wedding ceremony, you get like an inkling and you, you, you get an understanding of what this quiver does. And I'm just going to open up your character sheet so I can modify this for you. So I experimented with this earlier to make sure I understood it. What this quiver does for you is it gives all of your attack rolls a plus two bonus and it also gives all of your damage a plus two bonus so it is now plus nine to hit with your short bow and then any attack you do will do an additional plus two damage Very uh, it nice. is specifically force damage if that ever comes up neat it is the true strike quiver by the way and it shoots true strike arrows, of which it has an infinite supply. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So you never have to worry about buying arrows in town in between adventures again, which we have to spend so much time doing. Ha-ha. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha. <laughs> Ha-ha. I will admit I threw that in there as a little bit of a device to explain why I don't make you guys track inventory. <laughs> and there you be. You guys have enjoyed a, an excellent ceremony, dancing with the locals. There's music, there's singing, there's dancing. I guess it's up to you if you want to eat the food or not. I want to talk to uh, Wadsworth. Wadsworth, uh, are you pretty happy here working for the mayor? Would, um, would you entertain a change in venue by any chance? Uh, other employment opportunities? Um, he is. He definitely listens to the conversation as you're explaining it. You're, you're kind of throwing these things out there. And uh, when you sort of make the, make the final statement, the final pitch, I will have you make a persuasion roll. Great. Oh, I'm going to use the one that I... It's a blue one. Come on. Oh, my God. You <laughs> rolled a fucking one again? <laughs> <laughs> He slapped your face. Oh my God. You, With a white glove. Slap. No, he he demands to duel you. You did not violently offend him, but what he does say is, it's been five years since I've really worked for anyone, and, and I do somewhat miss it. The mayor at least deserves a little bit of a chance to have someone help him reacclimate to, well, being alive again effectively. 
Check on me again sometime, hard meat. Maybe my mind will change. <sighs> I'm going to have to keep a log of my rolls, because it's kind of unreal. <laughs> it really is, man. It really oh, is. Wow. Hey, look at my last few rolls. <laughs> Alright, anything that's else? That's the you... end of that chapter. <laughs> and the episode fucking there, dicks. Assume <laughs> <laughs> we complain about that. You guys make your way back to Andon after this joyful, joyful scene in this other town of Aster. You've been home for a handful of days. And Kolvik. You are asleep. You are dreaming. In this dream, it is dark all around you. You can see no light anywhere. Everything is still. And then, it's not. You feel a little gust of wind go past you. You hear some sprightly laughter in the distance, and another little breeze, like something's like running around you, basically. There's a long pause. Like, long, like dream time long. Like, it could be a minute or it could be a day kind of long. And then you see a faint green light glowing to your right. Uh, as you turn your head to the right to look at this, you realize that you're laying down. The green light seems to be getting brighter, and eventually you realize that it's actually just getting closer to you. As it draws near enough, it begins to take the shape of a man. And then it hits you. How familiar this shape is. It's walking kind of bow-legged, like somebody who spends too much time on horses. And with every step it takes, you see the head bob up and down as if it were on a spring. You shift your eyes downward, and you can see that as the head bobs in and out of the chest, a similar shape is bobbing in and out of the ass. The living shape of the grimacing man now looms over you, as tall as you are standing. It settles into something like a squat next to whatever it is you're laying on, and begins bobbing up and down, and for some reason it is just fucking terrifying. You close your eyes for a moment, and when you open them, the grimacing man is gone. But the light is not. The light seems dimmer now, and it's coming from down towards your feet. You struggle to move, to sit up and look at it, but you can't. It's like your body weighs a thousand pounds. And then you feel something small by your right foot. Tilting your eyes downward, you can just barely make out that this is where that green light's now coming from. And then you can feel it moving up your leg. It creeps up your shin, and then over your knee. It crawls up your thigh. And you can feel it hop off of you when it's reached your waist. You can feel something smooth and wooden touch your hand. And then you feel it slither around your right wrist. There's a little puff of wind and that same girlish giggle in the distance. And you wake up. You're kind of in a cold sweat. And you raise your right arm. In the moonlight through the window, you can see something wooden is wrapped around your wrist. Upon closer inspection, you can barely make out the shape of the grimacing man from the bracelet you're now wearing. You reach up to grasp at your neck, and indeed, the grimacing man is no longer hanging from your neck. It appears to be a single piece of wood, though, like it was grown around your wrist and carved into shape from there. And you can feel a faint pulling from it. Not strong, but almost like the bracelet itself is heavy, but sideways. Melvin, you also have a dream. You're sitting at a wrought iron table. It's a place you remember, but you can't quite put your finger on where. Like, kind of the way places are in dreams sometimes. Like, it's one place, but it's made of elements from more than one place. And you don't notice it until she speaks, but Exute is sitting at the table across from you. She's eating an ice cream cone. 
She looks over at you and smiles. She says, The next treasure is for you, wizard. This time, it's coming to you, and it should arrive tomorrow. He will have very little money to give you, but you should take this quest. She takes a lick of the cone, and you wake up. Roscoe, you also have a dream. It is also of Exude. You're not sure why, but she has a half-eaten ice cream cone in one hand. She puts the other hand on your shoulder and pushes you down into a chair that was apparently behind you. She takes a lick of the ice cream cone and smiles at you with one corner of her mouth. The rest of the dream is a secret. Melvin, you're the first one to wake up the following morning. What's on your mind? What do you want to do? I want to go to the front door. See if there's anybody there. <laughs> there's nobody at the front door. It's oh. it's like just a little bit after dawn. Gotcha. Um, the town is just starting to wake up, but there's nobody that at your door. Well, time for breakfast. Colvic, right. you're the second one up. What do you want to do? First thing I do is look at that right wrist. Is there a wooden bracelet there? There is. And it, and again, it's the shape of the, um, the man. The grimacing man. The grimacing man. So imagine that there's a mostly smooth piece of wood mm-hmm. that's just like, it, it really is. It's like a mm-hmm. single piece around your wrist. But as you look at it, you can see like the shape of the, the grimacing man sort of is basically like, like it reached around your wrist, grabbed onto its own ankles, and then mm-hmm. fused into place. The head doesn't bob in well, and out anymore, by the way. Being the young, proud acolyte I am, I'm actually going to scream out and happiness just because this is the first sign I've ever gotten and it's going to be a loud monstrous <laughs> nice. I just assume Kovic's making shakes again <laughs> <laughs> and I run downstairs and I just kind of just shove it in his face I'm like ah and like knowing what it is kind of thing it was a dream but I was just shake it <laughs> Perkins and Grace like run out and they're like, "What's going on?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's I I had a dream uh, and then just kind of try to explain like the best I could in the weirdest way I can and nobody really probably understands it. But I was <laughs> and then I just sit down all happy like uh, just glowing, just glowing. Roscoe, you slept in a little bit this morning. By the time you wake up, you can hear Melvin, Colvick, Perkins, and Grace are all downstairs. Apparently, there was a lot of yelling earlier. You slept through that. You wake up feeling very refreshed and energized. What would you like to do? I don't feel like rubbing one out. <laughs> you do that. That's There's maybe no... one of the weirdest things I've ever said about that in D and D. But <laughs> sure, you do that. I love that. Most Get up iconic and face one. The day. <laughs> All right. Sorry this sounds so awful, folks. I'm literally recording it in a tent.
Thank you for joining us for episode 31, Get Out of Miserines, which was released on May 27, 2018. Join us again next week for another episode of Vegan. 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 The Very Adventuring Team. <laughs>